Just let me know if the sound is coming in. I haven't done this for like years. And I'll tell you why I haven't done it in years because the online space just became, in my opinion, no offense to anyone, but it really just became stupid. It became something to me that uh, is so uh, negative. It's all about the negative, right? There's, it's not about sharing anything positive. And, and it became like that. So but before we continue, I need to know if the sound is coming in. So just let me know if the sound is coming in well, because we have an amazing book that we're going to cover right here. I'm going to read from an amazing book. And I have some other things to share about you, uh, to share with you. All right, so, so Ruman is telling me the sound is clear. All right, so let's go. So first couple things we're going to do is we're going to... Actually, I'm so happy to be back doing these things. I remember the days which I would do them like Tuesday and Thursday and then got involved in other things, got negative about the internet, stopped looking, uh, stopped really going on. Uh, but, you know, let's bring it back and, and do something good with it. But what I want to share with you is that we're having... This is the biggest online offering, okay, that we've ever had. And that is we got 15 classes that we're offering online, including Islamic history. Um, we got uh, Hamza Reza doing Islamic history, starting with the Umayyad period, so after the Khilafah. We got Hanafi fiqh, uh, Maliki fiqh, but the chef, the Shafi'is, they're upset because we don't have Shafi'i fiqh. We'll get Shafi'i fiqh. We have Arabic night course. If you want to study Arabic, four nights a week, Arabic, okay? And all of it, you go to our website, safinasociety.org, and you can, inshallah, uh, get these, uh, all more information. I'm teaching uh, Aqidah and Sciences of Qur'an every Sunday, okay? And there's a really good fit class for women. If there are women who want to study fit and they want to study fit with a woman, because so many, you know, things in fit are, you know, specific to women. So, uh, especially Tahara and Salah related. So you can, we have Hala Amr is going to be teaching that. Uh, Mu'in from the podcast, you all know Mu'in, he's going to be teaching Sirah for kids. So there's a women's fit class and then there is a Sirah class uh, for kids. And that's, they're both going to span fall, spring, and summer. All right, you cover everything, fall, spring, and summer. And the women's fit class is not just the hottest Salah, it's also manners of a Muslim, uh, prohibitions of the tongue, and rights of parents. I took Sheikh Rami's books, summarized them, and they're part of the course too, right? So, um, uh, Sadiq likes the though because it was his friend's company. So this is a really, uh, I guess, what do you call this, the Kaaba design? Right. I'm telling you the most blessed thing you could do for your life is Salah and Salam on the Messenger Of course, we're talking about after someone's Fara'id and, and Sunan have been observed uh, and Sharia is observed from the greatest Nawafil, meaning extra acts that a person could do, is Salah and Salam on the Messenger. And I think we need it now more than any other time because this is in a day and age that's so dark and so much insanity Okay, on uh, uh, in the world today, that this is what's going to keep us grounded. Of course, all the shara'ah, the shara'ah meaning the things Allah's obligated upon us and, and given us to do, but nothing is going to keep you safeguarded from the anxieties and the, the 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 dark. It's like dark energy all around us. Anytime that there is a masiyah, there's a dark energy. Anytime there is a ta'a, there's nur. 
So you're attracting either way. All right? You're always, if you do sins, you're attracting like a dark energy. And that's what brings people anxiety, even if they physically have no problems. They may physically have no problems. But if you're upon Ma'asiyah, and you're doing Ma'asi, and you're having, or some crazy beliefs, you're going to bring darkness into yourself. That darkness translates into like an anxiety. And sometimes you look at people, and you don't have any problems in your life, but they have anxiety. Okay? And you have the opposite now. You can have somebody with so many issues in their life, but because they're upon Ta'a, and Dhikrillah, and in specific, Salah, why do I say that in specific? Because the messenger himself said that. The messenger himself said, for those who busy themselves with salah and salam on the messenger your concerns that are bothering you, they'll go away. Your humum, your anxieties, they'll also uh, go away. Right? And what is the ghum? The ghum is the thing that's on your mind. What is the hem? It's like, or sorry, the hem is what's on your mind. The ghum is the effect of it. So a bill, for example, a lot of people have bills. All right? I'm telling you the best way to handle bills. When you get a bill, be happy to pay it because that's wealth that may be haram. And we know that everyone's wealth is mixed with haram these days. All of our wealth, there's something that we don't, we, we're only responsible for the first layer. So I work for the electric company, I get a salary from them, that's halal job, right? But we're not responsible for the second, where did the electric company get their money? We're not responsible for that. We're only responsible for one layer. Like I inherited from my grandfather a million dollars. Well, I don't know if grandpa's business was halal haram. You're only responsible for the first layer of the transaction. But the wealth itself may still be tainted. So by sharia, you're innocent. And now Allah Ta'ala will take out that dirty wealth. So when you get a bill, don't be anxious, don't have anxiety. Say, okay, khalas, Allah's taking out the dirty money. Let me pay it. Let me get rid of that, that money. It's not blessed in the first place. When you, take, when you do that, it just has a different impact upon you when you have this mentality that uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to worry myself because you're paying anyway, right? If I'm paying anyway, then why take the attitude of anxiety versus the attitude of uh, another attitude that's better? that this is a positive for me. Think about it. Nothing's changing. You're paying anyway. So your anxiety is not going to change anything. You're being angry and upset and slamming at the door on the table. It's not going to change anything, right? So just uh, go forward and have a positive attitude with it, even in the loss, all right? So this is what the Prophet said. said you're, you're the, the, the thing that's on your mind and has a negative effect upon you. This is going to go away with a salah with salam Some people say, well, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Your attitude changed. Your feeling changed. And you can only really think how you feel. If you're totally miserable, you can't come up with solutions. But when you're happy, you'd be all creative, right? When you believe that everything's going to be darkness and we're going downhill, then that's all you'll be able to think of. You'll only think of ways of destruction. But if you believe, well, because of the salah, I believe the future is going to be positive. Now you'll be able to think clearly. So it may not change something right away, but it'll definitely change how you feel about it, right? And when you change how you feel, after Salah and the Messenger your state becomes calm, you become mutafa'id, you feel like optimistic. There's no way that I'm going to spend time 
uh, on the beloved of Allah and that Allah is not going to give me back a reward. For sure I'm going to get rewarded. So I know that reward is there somewhere. Now it's just a matter of where it is. So when you have this positive attitude, okay, then all of a sudden you can start thinking creatively. Right? Second thing is that we actually believe that there is, when dhikr and ibadah is done, we totally believe that there's a substance called a nur. This nur, it is a substance. It is a, material, it is a subtle substance that descends into the heart and opens it up. It makes you feel open. Okay? And now all of a sudden everything's good. You love everyone. You don't want conflicts with anyone. You're not interested in this, this uh, you know, the things that used to bother you before, they don't bother you anymore. That's the effect of a nur. Okay? Matters of deen become beloved to you and you rush to do them. Right? You jump at them. That's the sign of nur versus just good mood. Anyone can have a good mood. Muslim, kafir, munafiq can have a good mood. But when nur descends upon the heart of a person, then it has a different effect. You start to have great feelings towards people. The sharia and the deen of Allah become something beloved to you. And you move quickly to ta'a and slowly to dunya. That's the effect that it has on you. Now, the, uh, when this comes down in the heart of a person, those are the signs. When gham and hem, they're also, we believe, are subtle pieces of substances. There's subtle substances that descend upon the heart of a person and they cause them to be tightened up, angry, f uh, uh, negative, de depressed, etc. Okay? And so you're literally dealing with substances that we take on belief. That's it. Only because the, Allah and His Messenger have told us that they exist. Okay? Uh, Ar-Ru'ab, for example. Fear. Ar-Ru'ab is something malaika, uh, malaika pour upon people as a punishment. It's a subtle substance that they pour upon people. Uh, bala, trials and tribulations, is also a subtle substance that is poured down on certain people. Okay. So let's look at why is this salah and salam the most important ibadah for us to be part of uh, in terms of the nawafid dhikr that people do. is because it is the one thing that Allah and His angels themselves do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, Surah Al-Ahzab, verily Allah and His angels they make salah on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi Oh, you believe? Also do salah and salam on the Prophet What is the meaning of uh, the difference then between when we do it when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does it as imdad to the Prophet which means he is bestowing upon the Messenger peace be upon him uh, barakat, and he's bestowing upon him increase and sanctification and purity and mercy. It's a lot more than just mercy, otherwise he would have said mercy, right? So it's imdad from Allah on his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And for us, it's istimdad from that rahmah and that everything that Allah is bestowing on the messenger, when we do salah and salam upon him, we're receiving that. So, min Allahi imdad wa minna istimdad. Yeah, so you have to understand this. Now, now when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending something, uh, He's sending it through somebody, right or wrong. Your food, for example, does it just come from the heavens? No. It came through a plant, or through your parent who paid for it, right? Or through the farmer who did the work. So, when Allah's ata in this life, always comes through something. And uh, what did the Prophet said? 
Allah gives and I distribute. Okay? So the imdad, this imdad, which is the giving, is giving of spiritual matters, of various benefits that we can't uh, expo- that we can't put a limit to. Okay? Is coming to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, how do I get some of that? So easy, Allah has made it just by moving your tongue with Salah and Salam on the Messenger. Right? And that's istimdad. Now the istimdad, the salah, so we're now taking that. Whatever the Prophet's on, and whatever he's receiving, to the degree in which we follow him, we're also receiving. Okay? That same thing. We're in his lane now. We're plugged into his outlet. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It also means that whatever is against the Prophet is against us. And that's why Sayyidina Ali said, beware of anyone who's the enemy of the Prophet, but then he loves you. Right? There's a problem here. Okay, this book again. It's I uh, I just started reading it. It's from uh, Durban, South Africa. All right, the gift of Durud and Salam. I just started reading it. It's one of the best topics, and I I, I was given this book by Mufti Niaz. All right, so uh, it's a wonderful topic. So this is what we're going to read from, and just you know bring up a discussion, uh, whatever comes from it. So it's also something to worry about if somebody is dead against the teaching of your prophet, but they like you. Well, there's a problem. There's something weird here. So if we're on the path of the Prophet Sallallahu then whoever, whatever is for him is for us. And whatever is against him is against us. Now, when a person does a lot of this, they start to love the messenger, peace be upon him. And that leads you to another level, which is whatever is his sharia and his sunnah, you start to love it too. And you start to follow it. All right? And that increases you in this istimdad. And that's really one of the great... So what, did this, what was the energy of the Sahaba? Why they followed the Prophet ﷺ so much as they loved him. They loved the Messenger. When they loved him, they followed everything he did. They, they advanced his deen after his return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's the mahabba of the Messenger, peace be upon him, is one of the things that uh, is what drives us. It drives us forward. Now, if you want to know about Imam Malik, there are three major principles you can say in the Malik Imam according to Shaykh Taha Rayyan, Ahmad Taha Rayyan, who passed uh, for, for COVID, rahimahullah. One of them is that who was, did Imam Malik have like a spiritual Shaykh? And the answer is, at the time, there was no such thing as this is my Shaykh in Hadith, this is my Shaykh in Fiqh, this is my Shaykh in you know, matters of the heart, but he did. Right? They didn't have a name for it, but his Shaykh on these types of matters was Jafar Sadiq. Sayyidina Imam Jafar al-Sadiq. How do we know this? Because the Prophet himself said it. Okay? He said he used to visit Jafar al-Sadiq. Sayyidina Imam Jafar al-Sadiq was an imam in Medina. He said, I never saw him except that he was uh, sitting on his rug after prayer, or he was praying, or he was reciting Quran. Okay? Sayyidina Imam Jafar al-Sadiq then is described by Madik as saying that nobody was more mirthful, just, just like to joke, a light-hearted, than Jafar al-Sadiq. Exact opposite personality of Imam Malik. Okay? He, he was light-hearted. Malik was not light-hearted. Malik was serious and stern. He said nobody was more light-hearted and liked to joke okay, than Jafar al-Sadiq until the name of the Messenger وسلم, was uttered. And then he became, his face changed. He became extremely serious. Okay? And it would change color. And he would enter into uh, a dhikr and dua and salah on the Prophet Malik attended with Jafar al-Sadiq and loved him so much he took on the same attribute and this is why 
you see such an emphasis on the love and honor of the Messenger وسلم, with Imam Malik, right? in his law even, and in his own self. So then his family and his friends would ask a young Imam Malik, what is it that we see your face changing when the Messenger is mentioned? He said, this is what I saw the great Jafar al-Sadiq doing. Right? So he became like that. He absorbed the same state of his teacher. On top of that, Sayyidina Imam Malik received a maqam, okay, that was an amazing one, which is that he never slept except seeing the Prophet And he, for this is one of the reasons people say, oh, Malik never left Medina. He wouldn't. He consider it that you, you, can only, you only leave Medina for a reason. If you're living, Allah bless you to live next to the grave of the Messenger And he, he used to say, don't say grave of the Messenger, next to the Messenger, because he's, as Allah, he's more alive now than he is when he was in this life. Why? Allah says, what is to come is always better for the Prophet than what is present. And this is also the case for those who are following the Prophet Their future is always better than their past. Right? It's all it's so optimistic. That's why Surah Al-Duha and Surah Al-Sharh, they come right after each other. They're the cures of grief and depression. Right? Now I know a lot of people say, oh, don't say depression, it's clinical. Fine, if it's clinical, go to somebody. But we could also talk about it as being non-clinical. All right? no one, oh, extreme sadness, let's put it that way and not use the word depression so no one gets a confusion. But grief, extreme sadness, just emotional downness, is something that Surah Al-Duha and Surah Al-Sharh are the cures of it. Read them, contemplate them, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But that's what Imam Malik, uh, he got his, that from his Shaykh Jafar al-Sadiq, and he became like that, okay? That he wouldn't ride on an animal inside uh, uh, the precinct of Medina or even wear his shoes around the area of the mosque, okay? And he would never leave it, okay? And he would say that the sanctity of the Messenger while alive, while Dead is a sanctity while alive, which means that you don't raise your voice around him. You face, uh, you face him. Someone asks him, Oh, Malik, I'm visiting the Prophet. I'm making salah and salam upon him. Now I want to make dua. Do I turn my back and face the qibla, or do I stay facing the Prophet? Malik said, If the Prophet was alive, would you turn your back to him? He said, No. I would just I would, I would say salam to him. I would say, make my dua. He said, Then do it that way too. So his, his, the way the Prophet is treated in death is the same way he's treated in life. Okay. So, again, the topic here is Salah and Salam on the Prophet, peace be upon him, which the Messenger has told us is our elixir for grief and for concerns and anxieties. And it's not uncommon. It's very common as a karama for people, regular people. They got especially debts. They got issues, they got problems, is that they turn to Salah and Salam on the Messenger and within a few period of time, short period of time, their trial is alleviated. Okay. One of the khususiyat, the special things about this ibadah that's different from any other ibadah is that it's always accepted. Whether you're heedless or, or not, it's always accepted. It's one of the ibadat that is always accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why uh, if a person is going to make dua, he begins the salah and salam before and after the dua, and that which is in between will inshallah be elevated. I'm telling you we have to say this because there's so many 
there's so many things now that are causing humum on people. Okay, uh, inability to cover expenses is a big hem on certain people, and these things are going up, right? Uh, the ideas that are spreading around are also the source of humum. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is not a replacement for the sacred law. There's nothing better for anxiety or stress than to follow the sacred law because the sacred law will stop you from going, from opening the doors that are going to let the floodgates in. And what are they? There are only a few things. The few main things, any intoxication, right? Uh, women, men and women, the problems and dramas that develop from that. And then the financial. Getting yourself into debt is why Allah has prohibited riba. And nowadays, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of youth, they're falling into this gambling app. They think that if I gamble a dollar, it's not a really a big problem, right? Gambling dollars and cents for the, some kids. And some people just outright gambling. All of these are bringing humum into the people, right? And when I look around the United States, right, there's just anxieties and problems everywhere. Well, one of the reasons is because what the leadership has done. Recently, New York Times uncovered that a, a drone strike that was supposed to kill an ISIS K, uh, which is ISIS uh, Khurasan uh, leader, turns out the guy's an aid worker for for an organization that's in, an American organization in California, right? And this guy has seven kids. Him and his kids dead. Then they discovered, oh, oops, it wasn't a bomb he's holding. It was water. Because there's no water where he lives. He's got to go to his office, get containers of water, and bring it back. So they saw him and his cousin and his brother, whatever, going and get these water containers, put them into the trunk, drive home, and they said, oh, it's a bomb. Let's bomb these guy. And this guy, you know, how much pain is in the heart of that family now? Could you just imagine for a second that you have a spouse, and let's say two kids, forget seven kids. Right, seven kids you just can't fathom. You have a, a wife and two kids, a wife and three kids, or a husband and, and three, four kids. You get news, they're all being killed by a strike. How much pain is in the heart of that Muslim woman? Now this woman, she has access to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala, waliyu kullu taqi. Kullu taqi, every pious Muslim is a wali of Allah. That means there is a maqam of general wilaya of the mu'mineen. Okay? In awliya'uhu illa al-muttaqeen. Any muttaqi has a portion of wilaya. Wilaya means divine protection. If he makes dua, I'm going to answer it. Now, the, the, the higher maqam of wilaya means every dua they make is answered. But the other maqam is that some of the dua that they make is going to be answered. Do you imagine how much pain is in the heart of that mother right now? When she makes dua, where is that dua going? It's being going up and going over to the United States. They're the cause. It's not just going over to the one person who hit the button. And when we look around, we have to make a connection because the Quran tells us this. Make connections. Don't just watch what the news is telling you. Make connections. When bad things are happening, it's always connected to some kind of dhulm, some wrong. And when we look around, and there's properties increases, pricing going up, taxes going up, uh, anxiety is increasing, depression is increasing, all these negatives, and people don't even know who they are anymore. And they're going into insanities, all right? Forgive me, but it is stuff is insanity, all right? Uh, so much of the some of the surgeries that you see happening on teenagers, 
you doing gender reassignment on a teenager, they're not even legally allowed to get a tattoo. But you're cutting off their genitalia. So this is just insanity. Insanity is like a, a type of a disease, a type of punishment that Allah spread on people. Is that's the only way to now uh, uh, interpret it? This is like a punishment. Punishment of what? Look at what we've done as a country, right? Now most people can't control it, but the Quran says, "But we're not. We're not the government. We don't do this stuff." But the Quran says, "Fear the sins that does not only have a reaction upon the ones who do it." Okay, so if a government goes and they'll destroy another country and kill so many people innocently, it's not just the people who hit the buttons that are going to get the punishment. It, there's going to be a general punishment on the whole entire nation. And when you look around at the insanity and the misguidance, we know it's misguidance, they don't know it's misguidance. We know this stuff will destroy you. You go down this route and you start playing around with this stuff, it will utterly destroy you, Okay. And that's exactly what's happening. You play around with the family. That happened a long time ago. Now you're playing around with, you know, who, uh, what kind of person you are. Right? That'll destroy you. Now you're playing around all sorts of sexualities and this stuff is going to ruin you. Now gambling is legal. Now, here's the thing. In the year 2020, $400 million, the number, the amount of money that New Jersey residents lost in gambling, $400 million. Okay. And the state earned $120 million in taxes. Gambling is one of the things that's just going to completely destroy a people when it spreads. And you can't even watch a football game now except half of it's all about gambling. I don't even understand and I don't want to understand when they tell you the over-under is this or I don't know what the, the odds are this and that. I don't want to understand it. It's almost like khamar, or this isn't khamar, but the khumur. It's not uh, something that you want to understand. It's actually, I think it was Omar ibn Khattab gave a piece of advice. He said, don't keep company with sinners because you'll learn about sins. I don't want to know the difference between uh, champagne, what that's made of, liquor, what that's made of, beer, what that's made of, unless I need to study it for fiqh, right? Mainly Hanafi fiqh, because most of the other methods, khamr is khamr. But the Hanafis, they have a distinction of what's najis and what's not, okay? But not that it's halal, but it's maybe not be najis. I don't want to know this information. I don't want to become educated in this, right? Sayyidina Omar said, don't keep their company because you'll get educated in something that's bad for you. And when you're educated with something, you become like comfortable with it. Not okay, you're accepting, but it's not an odd thing, right? It's not an odd thing. One time a guy, he gave me, I was at a Japanese restaurant and he gave me a drink. He said, drink this, it's sake. I had no clue what it was, right? Maybe at that point you need to have some clue so that you don't drink it, right? But he was, they put it on the food, right? So he just gave me a squirt. And anyone, you don't want to, I don't even know what they're saying, but this gambling is destroying people, okay? Now, when people, they lose so much money on gambling, well, what do they do to alleviate their problem? You can't live with yourself. You drink. When you drink, you get sick, right? So... We turn now that the Sharia itself is the best safeguard from the bulk of these issues. The Sharia itself. But then within life inside this city of the Sharia, a person could still have worldly humum. Okay? Maybe not because of these tidal waves. So he blocked off the tidal waves. Gambling is a tidal wave. Intoxication is a tidal wave. All these things are tidal waves. But still, a regular Muslim life, you'll still have humum. 
the Prophet is telling you those will be removed by Salah and Salam on the Messenger, peace be upon him. Okay. I'm going to close with this and we're going to go to the Q&A. Uh, the most simple Salah and Salam on the Messenger, which you can't fail to do it, is three words. Allahumma salli alayhi. Okay. Three words. Allahumma salli alayhi. All right. Which is, that's how simple it is. Oh Allah, send Salah upon him. Three words. Allahumma salli alayhi. This is the shortest, simplest, Salah and Salam on the Messenger, peace be upon him. Uh, we're going to get to the Q&A right now. I got my iPad, I'm ready to go. But listen up. The term is starting. Fall semester is starting. We got 15 online classes. One five. We got Sira for kids. Okay. We got fifth essentials for mainly it's going to be like middle-aged and preteen women who want to learn their fifth from another woman. We finally are able to offer that. With head Amr. Okay. And I'm making, I'm, I'm, I've made the intention these live streams are going to be more regular, right? And it'll take time to find a groove. So, for example, tomorrow I have a class. I still take a class as a student from 12 to 2. So, we'll probably do this right after that, maybe 2.30 to 3, a short, 2.30 to 3.15, maybe. Okay. Wednesday also I can come on right after around 1 o'clock, 1.30. Thursday, same thing. But it's really, honestly, it's really fun doing these again and seeing everyone talk and, and be with everybody. Uh, Sundays as part of the class. Now, how does this work? All of our online platform is divided between ArcView Basic and ArcView Plus. ArcView Basic is simple Arabic language, Simple classes that every Muslim should know. Tajweed. We got Sheikh Nuh Saunders teaching our Tajweed class. MashaAllah, we're so lucky to have him. We have uh, tweeds and teenagers. If you want your teenagers to take a class, I want to, you know, I teach a teenager's class. I think it's very important. But um, it's going to be a teenager's class Wednesdays. If you want to take it, they can take that. All of the Archie Basic is $10 a month. So people take it. And when the term is done, they either stay on and watch the pre-recorded videos, the previous classes. We have now over 30 pre-recorded classes. The platform is becoming huge. Okay, uh, So only 10 bucks a month, the classes are out there. And then the scholarship class is 49 bucks a month. Okay, But you can check it all out at safinasociety.org. And you can sign up because the term starts this next week, right? Sunday, inshallah. All right, let's get to your comments or questions here, and let's do this for a little bit. It's 1.37. All right, we can go for a little bit, inshallah. All right, so, Muhammad Arif says, Salah and Salam on the Messenger, Sallallahu heedlessly. Uh, it does have a benefit, but it's not the same benefit as if it's done um, with Tumatnina, slowly. If you want to benefit from ibadah, you need to do it slowly. Okay? Khayrul birri ajilu. The Prophet said, the best of good things is that which you do quickly. Means you go to it quickly. Like, as soon as it comes to his mind, drop everything and do it. And then he said, Al-ajilamina shaytan wa ta'alimina rahman Rushing is from shaytan and going deliberate and slow and steady is from Ar-Rahman, which means inside the worship, you go slow. In the worship, when you're doing the worship, go slow, take it easy. You won't benefit 
if you rush through it, okay, you won't benefit. Can you taste the food if you're rushing through it? No. Go slow. Take it easy. Okay. Now let's go to, so rush to it, but when you're in it, go slowly. All right, Mujahid Shah, uh, Shah Jahan, that's a great name. He has shared uh, the link. Thank you very much for sharing that because we started. What is the best time to teach young kids? Uh, Fatima Akhtar's question. Uh, young kids, you teach them stories and you teach them ibadah. You teach them stories and how to do worship, right? How to pray and that they should see you sitting down to recite the Quran, how to do tasbih and dhikr, and you teach them stories. How many salawat is recommended to do per day? The ulama, many of them said that 300 a day is a lot. 1,000 is the number that you see all over the place. Now, some people say it's a bid'ah. It is true that it is a sound opinion that putting a number to something is a bid'ah. But the other opinion is it's conditionally. It's a bid'ah on the condition if you believe there's a special thing about that number. But if it's merely just to help us uh, to be organized, then it's not. If it's, if it's to help you be organized and have a system to things, but you don't believe that like 1,001 versus 999 is a difference, right? Not much, you know, there's obviously a difference, but there's not, no special barakah attached to that one number 1,000, That's then it's fine. That's the opinion that I lean towards and I believe in because practically speaking, you need systems. You just can't just leave something open-ended. Go try to memorize the Quran without a system. And every time you get a system, like I go sit with the Sheikh Tuesday and Thursday and I memorize for half an hour and I memorize five A's a day. And someone says, no, 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 it's a bid'ah to have a system. No, you're not going to do anything. So I respect the opinion that is held by some that say any number or system is to be discouraged, right? I totally respect that because they don't want us to get stuck in something that's not obligated to us to be stuck in. I totally respect that. At the same time, if we don't, as long as we're not recognizing that there's some special thing about that number, because the Prophet didn't assign it, and he's the only one who can make a number special. And it's just for the sake of being, helping us attain consistency. Okay. Then it's acceptable. Right. And therefore, we have Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud, quoted by Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyah, saying on Fridays, make sure you do a thousand salawats on the Prophet and that's in Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi's book. Ruman ibn Khayrul says, Can you read excerpts from Dalai al-Khayrat or do you have to read it every day in order? No, you can read excerpts, no problem. What about 313? It said it's a special number. 313 is in a weak narration that that's the number of people who are with Sayyidina Dawood when he fought Goliath and it's with the Prophet when he fought Sayyidina Abu Bakr, uh, Sayyidina, uh, when he fought the Quraysh. And so that's why that number 313, sometimes 315, and other hadith say 300 and an odd number, they come up in those narrations, but they're all weak narrations, but they are, they do come up. Okay. All right, uh, Ruman is asking, what is this book called? It's called The Gift of Durud and Salam, published by Madrasat Ta'lim al-Din, Ta'lim al-Din in Ispingo Beach, South Africa. I've always wanted to go to South Africa. 
but never had the chance. But that's where you could, you could probably just Google it and it'll come up. There, a lot of effort was put into this book. It's a hardcover book. Okay. Uh, Abdurrahman Muhammad says, I feel praying Salah for its sake. How should we get out of it? Can you clarify? Muhammad Arif says, is it true that who read more durud in their lives get a chance to see the Prophet ﷺ in their dreams 100%, 100%. And uh, the goal of every person is to be able to see the Prophet ﷺ in their dream. And that's a wonderful goal. It's not something that's light, that can be taken lightly. Zishan says, Z, uh, is there such a thing as free will in Islam? Yes, for sure, there is enough free will that we will be taking into account for our deeds. And uh, we have kesp. We believe all actions are the creation of Allah. Allah says He created you and what you do. So our all actions, physical actions, are creations. What we have is kesp. What we have is kesp. Right? We, in, we can earn those actions by intending them. Okay? And either Allah grants it to us or He doesn't. For example, we intend a lot of actions and are unable to do them. Like I intend to go to visit somebody, but then my car broke down. So you get the reward of it, but you didn't do it. Uh, so we have kesp, of course, and that's how we're taken to account. We believe that we're taken to account. Uh, Anas Ahmed says... Salawat on Friday after Asr. Do, the, the, between Asr and Maghrib, especially... So between, let's say between Asr and Asr is here and Maghrib is here. This hour, right before Maghrib, is a special hour. Don't book anything and just focus on du'a. People, they don't make, I don't know why they don't make a lot of du'a. It's almost like they think and they imagine du'a is only when I have cancer. Allah, look at this creation. Look at the vastness of the creation. Okay? Allah loves to create. And he loves to give. He loves to give us. Okay? He loves to give it to, to, to give us. So you ask. And Allah loves that he's asked. He's, he loves that he is asked. It doesn't only have to be when I'm dying of cancer that I make dua. It could be completely selfish. And the, why did the ulama they sanction that? Why? Because if you make dua and you're completely selfish about it. It's just my personal thing that I want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. And Allah ta'ala totally accepts this. Why? Because you will not persist in such dua over and over and over, seeking out the special and sacred times, except that you will transform. Guarantee you're transformed. In a short amount of time, you're going to transform. Okay. And your iman is going to be something else. And then you're going to start realizing that this dua that you're doing is is a greater gift. You may not love it as much, but it is a greater gift than anything that you're asking. You just may not love it as much. You may love, oh, I, want, I need to marry her. I love, I want to marry a beautiful woman. Okay, you keep praying for that. Excellent. There's no blame on that. That's a wonderful dua. It's totally halal and it's sunnah. Okay? But you have to realize that what you've been given, this dua is greater than marriage. Because dua is iman, right into the heart. But marriage is not always iman in the heart. But if you persist upon this, 
then Allah will teach you how to improve your du'a, when to do du'a, and what to also include in your du'a. You can't do du'a for dunya only, you have to include it for akhirah. When you ask to get married, or to have a car, or to have a job, ask for barakah in it. You may get it, but it might not be blessed. So you need to learn how to make du'a. Okay? And when you start doing du'a, then Allah teaches you. Imam Malik saw his students and writing so much and having piles of notes. And he said, why do I see you just compiling so much knowledge? Right? Memorize what you can. Practice it. Then Allah puts a nur in your heart. And you start seeing what's important, what, how to do things. And Allah shows you. Okay? So that's how. So that's why I never shy away from when someone asks about du'a to remind people, be selfish all you want with your du'a because that's how you'll grow. Because if you tell somebody, listen, get up and be pious in the middle of the night. Maybe one out of a hundred people is going to wake up to pray in the middle of the night. But if you tell them, listen, what your heart desires, what you truly desire, write it down. You can pick it up, go get it in the middle of the night. Then 100 out of 100 are going to get up. Like Everyone's got a different desire. We have all these different people here, right? All of you have a different desire in life. You all want something different, right? What is it deep in the recesses of your heart that you would imagine? And it just put no limits on it. No logic, no limits. Okay, Allah is the creator. What do you want him to create for you? Go get it in the middle of the night. You will see people jumping for tahajjud. Go get it in the sujood in salah, in the du'a before and after salah. You will see people jumping for salah. They will love salah because that's the time where I can get what I ask for. And if you want to know if, you want, if a du'a is going to be answered, oftentimes many, many people say that there's a correlation between the per, per persistence in du'a and ijabat in du'a. And they say this because the Prophet himself said it. You will get what you want if you, as long as you don't give up. Uh, you don't rush. Some Sahaba said, what is rushing? He said, rushing means he stops making du'a. He says, I, I asked and I didn't get it. Why are you rushing? Take your time. Sometimes things take time. It could make one year, two years, five years even. Right? As long as you're praying for the thing, it is possible Allah will create it for you. And it becomes more likely as the more time goes on. So, that's the importance of that last hour before Maghrib. By saying an hour doesn't mean 60 minutes. It means it could be 20 minutes, 30, period of time. All right, let's see. Is it true that dhikr of the Prophet is better for you than dhikr of Allah? The question, Ruman, of course, that someone gave this to you or, or, or mentioned this, is a false question. Dhikr Rasulillah is dhikrullah. You cannot make remembrance of the Messenger without making remembrance of Allah. Then Salah on the Messenger is in obedience to the commandment of Allah. So don't separate the two. Dhik, the, the Salah on the Prophet is dhikrullah. Aren't you saying, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad? All right? And you're responding to Allah's command and for the Messenger's command. So it is the same thing. Abdul Rahman Muhammad says, I feel like, like work, like salah is work. Uh, just imagine, you know, there are, there's work and then there's things that you enjoy doing and having. You have to make a link between the two. What you enjoy doing and having, who's going to bring it to you? It's Allah. So salah now becomes for your self-benefit. You're only benefiting yourself, right? You're only benefiting yourself. You go Salah, and I believe that I'm standing in front of the Creator, and He loves to give. So, and I love to ask, and I have a lot of things that I want in life. So when your Salah becomes that, you have a desire for the Salah. I guarantee you, slowly, you will start to love the one who gives more than the gift. 
We all were infantile and we love the gift. We want the gift. And Allah is the giver. We love the gift. We're going to Him for the gift. That's fine. That just means maturity level of Iman is growing. Eventually, when Allah gives you the gift that you're asking for, you will love the giver of the gift more than any gift He could give you. But that's going to happen naturally when you go through the phases. Is it true, uh, we've read this question, what is the shortest, Hamza Jung is answering, maybe he's related to Carl Young, uh, what is the shortest durud? Allahumma salli alayhi, three words. Allahumma salli alayhi, you can count the syllables as well. Okay. Uh, Sarah Mo says, I've learned that sending salam the Prophet while preparing food can help make your children and family into odia. It's, it's a practice that all of the odia they do. They do salah and salam on the messenger while preparing food or any work, especially food. Doing dhikr before sunset time and before rising sun holds a special place in sight of Allah? Yes, it does, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What's the specialty of ibadah, any ibadah, during around sunrise and sunset? Well, answer simply is that, look in this verse. In the middle of the night, do some ibadah, and at the edges of the day, so that you can become content. What? So what did the ulama say? Whatever is your wish list of desire from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you persist in remembering Allah and making dua and dhikr and ibadah anytime in the middle of the night and at the edges of the day, around Fajr and Maghrib, and you don't stop and you don't give up, you will be given what you're asking for. That's the keys, you don't give up. Because Allah promised it. لَعَلَّكَ تَرْضَى So that you can become content. I've also uh, been taught that sending salah and salam on the Prophet help with emotional regulation. So it's the number one emotional regulator. And if you have a character that you have temper, you have depression, you have sadness, you have envy, you have all these, you're messed up. Okay? And everyone, to some degree, is messed up. That's the truth. Right? We all have some thorns in our character. Salah and salam slowly smooths out your character. You become humble, right? If you're arrogant, you become humble. If you're angry, you become patient. If you judge people, you become less judgmental, right? Salah and salam on the Prophet never matches with being harsh. It never matches with being harsh. Assalamu alaikum. If Allah says disbelievers' hearts are sealed from the truth, does this mean we shouldn't give them dawah? No, uh, Karim ibn Skandar asks a good question. It's not all disbelievers. It's the disbeliever who's already received the dawah many times and persists in rejecting it. That's the one whose heart is sealed. And Ibn Abbas, he says, the verse of the heart sealing is like a hand. Allah gives him the reminder, he says, no once. Allah gives him the reminder, he says, no again, no again, no again, no again, until he seals it. So who sealed it? He sealed it. Then if you insist upon something, then Allah helps you. That's just the law of nature. Everything is by law. And one of the laws of spiritual laws, if you insist upon something, Allah will help you do it. So he helps them. So he stamps it for them. When does Allah stamp their hearts closed? When they close it themselves. They were given a reminder, they said no. Given a reminder, said, you have someone who's kafir, hey, promoting this kufr, like Dawkins and these people for like a 50-year career. You sealed your own heart, right? They sealed it themselves, and Allah only gives you what you did. Okay. Good question, but, but we're still obligated 
to, to but if someone has shown no willingness and in fact the opposite, then we don't have to cause they received the dawah and they rejected it. That's their issue. Now, uh, dawah, when you want to give dawah, save your breath, give it to the people who have a willingness to listen. Give it to the people who want to, to hear it and to respond. Okay. And that's why, to be honest, I don't go into the debate world anymore. I don't debate about liberals, about none of this nonsense. They, 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 don't, they don't want to hear it. And we, can, we don't talk the same language. We don't have even observed reality is not the same anymore. Logic is not the same anymore. Language is not the same. There is no point in having this discussion. I said in the other podcast, the game's over with that crowd. I'm not talking to them anymore. And it's very unfortunate that a lot of Muslim like activists, I guess you can say, they just are just repeating left-wing talking points, like woke and progressive and liberal talking points. Why are you repeating that stuff? I mean, you're all against repeating right-wing talking points. Fine. I agree with that. Right? We only have one talking point. That's the dean, right? And logic and common sense. But this repetition of progressive talking points, and I just got to tell you, I'm, we, don't, we don't observe these progressive principles. These woke or progressive or liberal principles, they're not our, it's not our principles. So there's no point in coming to me or at me with these types of things. And I don't want to get into that because it just turns you into a negative person when you argue so much with those people. So I just quit arguing. What I'm going to focusing on, and guess what? There's a big announcement coming in two weeks, right after the semester starts, because we got 15 online courses now that we're promoting now. Once that semester settles down, I have such an announcement, it's going to make you all so happy. Uh, we're turning away from that crowd and turning towards people who really can benefit, and that's the poor right? That they're really struggling. And we're blessed that we have that type of community only a few miles away that we can go and we can do something there. We can benefit them, right? And bring some benefit and get our sins expunged. And Allah saves you only by helping your help for the poor, right? That's how Allah saves people. Okay. He, uh, I'm not from Korea. I'm from India. I speak to you. Oh, it's Hamza. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, sometimes I just forget the names. Next question says or comment. Uh Siddiqi in the Tabdiri Jamaat they say two tasbih of each to Rudisakfar, three karam after Fajr, mashallah. Okay. Uh, Sarah says sending salah in our heart counted effectively. Yes, one hundred percent, but if it also happens on the tongue, it's a different and an added type of reward. Right? In case of being company wanting to make salah, yes. The movement of the heart is as valid as the movement of the tongue. But the movement of the tongue adds to it. Okay. All right, two more minutes. So if anyone has any questions, we'll just take two more minutes of Q&A. And then we will wrap it up. And uh, we had a nice return back to this world. The world of, uh, of Facebook live streams. Right, what is practical steps you recommend for us to transform ourselves spiritually? Make a goal for yourself. What do you want that would completely motivate you in your life? That you will break through bricks if you knew that you can attain it at the other end. Write that down. And then I tell you one simple thing. You can attain it only through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go get it from Allah. Allah can give it to you. 
and always keep it on your mind, right? Always keep it on your mind because you keep it on your mind and remember Allah can make it happen for you. He created all this world, right? And nothing you ask is going to be bigger than this universe. And this, the universe is everything other than Allah, Al-Kun in Arabic. Okay. It's not going to be, it's not going to be bigger than that. Go for it. Get it from Allah Ta'ala. You'll find yourself jumping for tahajjud, jumping for dua, for salah. So that's how you do it. Uh, Yusha says, how to refrain ourselves from lustful desires? Okay. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, if you can put yourself a reward, what is the reward if you abstain from this? That Allah is going to give me this. All right? A reward that's greater than your lustful desires. Right? That's what's going to motivate you to stop. Or it, you, you'll be so busy chasing after your goals, then you'll leave it off if you know that that's one of the conditions. That's the deal. If I leave off this, I know Allah's going to give me this. Aisha Mukhtar says, Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam. We missed the after Fajr talks. Yeah, so now inshallah we'll do these. And Nazli Iqbal is agreeing with Aisha Mukhtar. Are they friends or something? Are they related or something? All right, Yusha. Next question. What are some quick salawat that we can do daily? Allahumma salli alayhi. Allahumma salli alayhi. And if you want the long form version, you go to salawathub.org for the long form ones. But Allahumma salli alayhi is the easiest one. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad is another easy one that's very popular. Muhammad Arif says, you talked about dark energy. Yes, there's an opposite of nur. There's nur and there's the dhulm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to them in the Quran. Al-dhulumat wa-nur. These, the ulama have told us, these are, the, it means the, the concepts of misguidance, but it's the physical mis matter as well as the subtle matter that is dhulumat. And it enters the heart and causes fear and anxiety and everything bad. And you remove it by doing uh, ibadat, by doing good deeds. Right? And that brings nur. How do we motivate teens to be more spiritual? That's a good question. And you motivate them, okay, by teaching them. You want stuff in this world. You get it from Allah. Make dua, right? That's how you do it. You want something from Allah, don't you? We all do. Only someone dead doesn't want something. You're going to get it from Allah. So obey Him. He'll give it to you. What, what is the default of... How can we say that? We say that because the default of dua is that it's answered as you ask it. That's the default. Ud'uni astajib lakum. For Hamza, yes, all this is recorded and we'll, we'll download it and put it up on YouTube. The other thing that you can uh, motivate your teens to be more spiritual is to have deals with them. Look, you want to go uh, do this, that, or the other? Fine, give me 20 minutes of recitation of Quran and Salah on the Prophet Sallallahu and we'll do that first. Do that first, and I'll, then we'll do the thing that you want to do. Give me five minutes. Give me ten minutes. Give me one minute. Right? And sometimes that's the only motivation. But that is the same thing. Right? It's, you, you're connecting it to a reward. People will move by love. They love something. You, you want this? You love this? Just give me this. Right? Isn't that what Allah Ta'ala will do that for us too? Right? You want, Hassan, you want this? Just give me some prayers. Give me some fasts. Give me some hajj. A few days of hajj. I mean. 
the, this is going to be put up on YouTube channel Safina Society. Khadija Islam, where did you learn your knowledge from? I learned it from different ulama and scholars uh, that are in Egypt, that are in Mecca, Medina. Some of them are in Morocco. Right. All right, folks. I wish I could stay on, but I'm so glad that we're back. And uh, this was really fun. And we're going to do it again. And we'll just go page by page. As you see, we don't read like the whole time. We have some commentary, some current events going on. Uh, don't forget to sign up for our classes, safinasociety.org. Uh, you get to our, our classes, okay, uh, 15 online classes, right? Every age group, right? Just check it out, and, uh, and, and inshallah, you will find a lot of classes that are very beneficial, all right? And if you have any questions, you can send an email, or tomorrow when I come on, we can talk about it. Last question, if we self... Feel a sense of self-pride or satisfaction from doing ibadah, uh, then what do we do? That's nafs and shaitan getting involved. So you have to pray that Allah Ta'ala grants you humility and accepts your actions because just because you did ibadah doesn't mean Allah accepts it. So pray that Allah accepts our ibadah and ask Allah Ta'ala for humility. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته